I'm Leslie Manukian, president of Health Freedom Defense Fund and host of Conversations on Health Freedom, a podcast about our most sacred human right. Today, my guest is Joette Calabrese. She's an American homeopath, consultant, author, educator, and speaker. Um, Joette turned her back on conventional drugs over 36 years ago when she became a full-time homeopath. She raised her now adult children without a single visit to a doctor by using only homeopathy, nutrient-dense meals, guts, spunk, and moxie. She's the author of um, a Materia Medica, many educational videos, tons of study guides, 10 online courses, and she actually founded the Practical Homeopathy um, School. It's a curriculum that teaches people in 12 months how to essentially become independent um, of the medical system. She holds study groups, weekly blogs, has a podcast, um, Facebook live events, all sorts of things. She's also my dear friend. I am so very, very excited to have her here for so many reasons. One is to share homeopathy with all of you. And another is because as I've been preaching to all of you for years, I think the path out of the problems that we are in is in self-reliance and homeopathy is a medicine that liberates you from the clutches of the medical complex and therefore liberates you. It provides, it grants you freedom. It gets you out of the prison. So does, of course, nutritional dense foods like what I teach from Weston A. Price. I want Joette to tell us all about what she's doing, her journey, and much, much more. And this is why I'm so excited to have her here with us. So welcome to the show, Joette. Oh my gosh, it's my privilege, Leslie, to be here with you. I've been looking forward to this. Me too. Me too. It's been coming for so many months. Yes. So why don't we start with this? Okay. You have kind of an amazing story about how you even came to homeopathy. Um, If I recall, you could eat eight foods (laughs) at one point. I don't know if that preceded the wanting to help your children, but why don't you just tell us how did you initially come to homeopathy? Well, you know, I grew up the 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 conventional way in the U.S. and um, in early my early twenties. Um, I mean, I had allergies as a child, and then I had this little grace period. A lot of people have a grace period around their teens and twenties, and I experienced that. Um, I felt as though, wow, I'm free of all of the eczema. And all- I'm free of all the eczema and all of the illnesses that I was suffering from. And around that, in my early 20s, I uh, married um, a doctor and we were married for seven years. He was a neurosurgeon and I bought into the system completely. Um, and I have to say, let me say, I, this is not against medical doctors because I actually believe surgery can be very valuable at certain times. Um, and there are certain aspects of modern medicine that we, we're all grateful for. Emergency but medicine, emergency I mean, medicine, so, certain amount of diagnostics can be very valuable overused, but certain amount can be very valuable, obviously. Um, I always say if I ever get hit by a Zamboni and I'm flattened out on the ice <laughs> and my arm is across the other side of the rink, get it, get me into an ambulance. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, but then I started to, and these allergies started to kick in and then it turned into food intolerances and um, and no one could help me. His colleagues, his our friends. I come from a big 
fat Italian American family. And I have a lot of cousins who are doctors and they all put, you know, gave their, their two cents and really uh, ard ardu arduously tried to help me. Ardently, I should say, ardently tried to help me. And um, no one could help me. And it was getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, finally, I said, I've got to do something drastic. I was taking many meds. And I said, I was so sick. Um, I was getting now was getting asthma and the food intolerances were growing and antibiotics for every little infection. And, and the list went on and on. And finally, I said, you know what, I'm really sick. I can barely lift my head off the pillow in the morning. I have lost my joie de vie. Um, I, I think if I stopped all the drugs, cold turkey, and please don't get me wrong, I'm not telling people to do that. That's just what I determined to do in my life in my early 30s. Perhaps if I go cold turkey, uh, what difference does it make? I'm sick anyway, and nothing's helping me. So I went cold turkey. And I at that moment in my life, it was a it was a watershed moment. I decided I am not taking any more drugs. End of discussion. Full stop. And so I lived with that and I made a big, I made decision to change my diet. Um, listen, again, as an Italian American, all what our life is all about is food. And so I, it's not that I was eating fast food. I didn't do that. My mother didn't do that. We made everything from scratch pretty much. Um, but I had to kind of clean it up a little. And I went through veganism for a long period of time. I went through macrobiotic for a long period of time. And finally I landed on, Weston Price Foundation's work. Actually, it was even before Weston Price Foundation. It was the Price Bottinger Foundation back in California. And so um, that that resonated with me because it was so European. It was so um, it was so robust and so rich. And and so that helped too. But I had about eight foods that I could eat. Outside of that, I would have reactions. What kind of reactions? Asthma, anxiety, breathlessness, insomnia, fatigue, etc. So I decided I needed to find something even more than that. And it was, um, and I learned about homeopathy. And so um, I went to a lecture by a medical doctor who was no longer in practice. He was traveling through the U.S. teaching people, mostly mothers, I might add, how to use homeopathy instead of the uh, typical childhood disease diseases that the, the excuse me the formula to treat childhood diseases what was the formula injections yeah. and so he put together this this uh, program that or it was only a lecture it was only a three hour lecture and it completely turned my head by the end of the lecture I I I was I, at that moment in time I was pregnant with my first child and I said I think this is it. After studying herbs and vitamins and supplements and diet for all those years, I said, I think this could be the medicine that I've been looking for. And Joette, what did you say? What was what prompted you to go to that? I was still searching for a medicine for okay. myself, but also I was pregnant. What was I supposed to do? Because I was trying to decide, mm -hmm. should my child be vaccinated immediately at birth? Should it be all of the vaccinations all at once? Should they be spread out? I, I was really in a quiet, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to think it through. And so he presented a way of thinking that was much different. He said, for chickenpox, we use this homeopathic medicine. 
For measles, we use this homeopathic medicine, and it has been shown. And he gave the statistics. He gave the the he, his data was was crisp, and very eloquently laid out. I wish I still had that lecture. I tried to get a hold of it. I went back, and you know, I'm talking you know 40 years ago, yeah, uh, nearly 40 years ago. And I wish that I had that lecture. It was so tight. Mm. So um, I decided this is it. So that night. I purchased a homeopathy kit. There were only 29 remedies in the kit. And I bought a simple book that was intended to be used for mothers, for their children, when their children get sick. I was all set. I mean, I knew nothing. <laughs> but I knew what I didn't want yeah. for my forthcoming baby. Can I just say, I have to interject here really quickly. You know, you've talked about medicine and injections and things like that. It, it boggles my mind that we as a culture, and in fact, all of Western society, in fact, probably a global society, have somehow come to believe, twist in our head, that drugs are what's manufactured, missing. synthesized drugs are medicine. Right. Medicine is supposed to be health promoting, not something poisonous or toxic. And I just, I find, I, I just always think about that. We, you know, it's, we call it medical care. It's not medical or we call it health care. It's not health. It has anything to do with health. You know, anyway, I just wanted to say that. So go well, ahead. <clears throat> excuse me. Another aspect of this is that, is that, that the baby's not born whole enough. And so we need this synthetic manufactured drug of commerce yeah. to make up the difference that my husband and I and the almighty somehow missed that um, there's an industry that comes in and fills in the blanks. That mm -hmm. is a strange way of thinking. You know, it's about common sense. Well, actually there's no more common sense. So it's more like good sense. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's not common so much anymore. So you're pregnant with your son. Pregnant your with my son. son. And I went to a pediatrician and I, I assumed that what I was doing was determining whether or not this was going to be the right pediatrician for pediatrician for me. And, and I had many friends who was going to this man. And I explained to him that I was thinking I was going to maybe postpone uh, the vaccines. And um, I was interviewing him. He was actually interviewing me. But I mean, I, I went both ways, I suppose. And you know how when that split second, when you see how someone reacts... He rolled his eyes. It was a less than a split second. He rolled his eyes as I said it. I should have picked up on that. I knew it. <clears throat> I knew what he was thinking because yeah. I saw it. But the words that came out of his mouth were different than that eye roll. The word said, well, I'll work with you. But that's not what he was thinking at all. So <clears throat> I foolishly trusted. And so I went for my first, um, after the baby was born, it was a very natural birth. And I brought my baby in for one of the, the stupidest methods out there, the stupidest, what do I call it? <clears throat> interventions, medical interventions. Interventions, yes. For the ubiquitous well baby checkup. Now, he was six weeks old. And in Italian, we say, hard head. I did not see that my baby was well. Did I need someone to, did I have to pay someone to say, Tell me my baby's well. Mm -hmm. That's not what that checkup was about. That checkup was to do one thing and one thing only, and that was to give my baby to 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 empty part of the vial that they had in there that was that had a a stale date stamped on it, so that they could get rid of that and get on to the next stale dated 
vial <clears throat> was to empty it into my child. So I got into the to, to the to the uh, pediatrician and I was holding my son who was six weeks old, as healthy as can be, very, very good birth. And um and the nurse came in and plopped something in my son's mouth. And I said, What's that? And she said, Oh, sing songy, oh, just as polio vaccine, comma, dear. I was livid, <clears throat> absolutely livid. But what could I do? What could I say? Did you try and get him to spit it out? <laughs> no, it was, it was in. It was gone. It was down. He swallowed. I saw him swallow, but it was in. Yeah. yeah. I was so angry because it was on my chart that I was going to wait and just, I didn't say no. I just said, could we just wait so that at least six weeks, really? Six weeks. Six weeks. So went home fuming. And two, three days later, he came up with a fever of 105.5. He was six weeks old. There was no reason for him to get a fever. And let me also mention that if people- You were breastfeeding him, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Exclusively nursing. Let me also say there was no one in that waiting room. I was the only one. So it's not as though he was exposed to all of these dangerous germs everywhere. I was the only one in the waiting room. He was in my arms the whole time. I walked in, sat down for a minute, and went into the into the examining room. 105.5 fever. Now, I had my kit with me that I had purchased a few months earlier after uh, attending that, that, uh, that uh, lecture, and I had my book. Now, I was paging through this book, and it didn't say anything about vaccine injury. It's not going to say that. It's for the general public. But what it did have was high fever. It talked about a very high fever, and also it described in this particular medicine that was describing a high fever that there was often an associated odor. And indeed, my six-week-old baby, who was exclusively nursed, who always smelled so fresh and so beautiful, you know that beautiful smell of an odor. Oh, my gosh. Baby, I was addicted had, to it. Yeah, had an odor to his mouth, to his breath. Went on two and a half days that he had this fever, my mother was beside herself um, and she was saying, honey, honey, we can't go on like this. 105.5 fever. This is really high. And he would re he was refusing to nurse. And I have to say, when I look back, I realize um, that it, he was in danger of dehydration. Now, the fontanelles usually kind of slip down a little bit, sink a little around the temples. And but that's not I did not see that. But he was refusing to nurse. And so I looked in this book again and again until I finally came up with the medicine sulfur 30. And I opened up my kit and I said, what have I got to lose? Sulfur 30. I knew that if I took this baby back to that pediatrician, he would have been on the same train that I had been on my whole life. He would have gotten antibiotics. Then he would have probably had perhaps even a steroid. Um, and then he would have had the next condition that would have followed from the antibiotics. He might not have been able to take my milk if I drank any, had any dairy, such as yogurt. He might, they would have changed his gut forever. I knew that because I saw it in myself. Mm -hmm. seen it. So I gave him the sulfur 30 and he was as hot as can be in my arms, limp for two and a half days. And within 40 minutes, he firmed up. The fever adroitly melted away. And he started to nurse. He commenced nursing. 
And that was that. I didn't need to give him a second dose. I didn't. My mother sat next to me. She was praying at the time. I'm going to tell you. I mean, she, <laughs> and my and I had one of my closest friends with me. And the three of us almost unanimously said or simultaneously said, what was that? Yes. I just witness. I said, I have got to know more about this medicine. This was talk about watershed. This turned me completely around. Yeah. Changed my life forever. Now that son is 36 and he's never had a fever since. Now, I'm not going to tell you that the reason is because of that sulfur. I don't know why, but he hasn't had a fever since that time, wow. 36 years ago. That's and amazing. so my subsequent children didn't go for well baby checkups. Because I the 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 uh, curtain was pulled back, and I saw what was behind it, and I uh, became suspicious enough to say, you know what, I can do this. I can figure this out. Now I'm not going to tell you that if my child was in danger, true danger, that I wouldn't go to a doctor. Of course, I would have done that. And I as I said, I had doctors in my family. I could easily have taken them to any one of my cousins, but I didn't. We were able to. I was able, by studying homeopathy, I got a group together. Um, I, there were about 10 of us. We met in my living room every Thursday night for four years, and we studied from that book, and we found a teacher to teach us, and we committed ourselves to be able to figure out how to treat our families, ourselves, with these gorgeous little medicines that generally look like this. So that was my, that was my start. And I realized years later that this was needed to be in more than just my my little study group's hands. This needs to be in the hands of every household in this country, in North America, throughout the world. And let me also say this, Leslie. People who don't know what homeopathy is, they think that it means this, holistic. Yes. They I think wanted to, this is the thing. I was going to say, okay, that's a great story and everything. Yes. I have to just tell you, I had a very similar experience with my son. He was one year old. He'd never been sick before. He didn't get a vaccine or anything because we never gave him any, but he got his first sickness. And my husband was like, that's it. We're taking him to the doctor. So we went to this pediatrician because I'd gone to meet a pediatrician and had a good relationship with this guy, but we did not go in for well baby visits. I would go and see him. Like, I think I'd seen him once or twice before. And my baby's a year old at this point, <clears throat> but he was three days listless, but screaming at the same time, crying, but just like completely out of it. And I'm I'm in homeopathy college at the time, Joette, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. But you can't ask a six month, six week old baby or a one year old baby. Well, what's wrong? Tell me about your symptoms. What makes it better or worse? <laughs> and so we go to the doctor. And then I was married, and my name last name was Bradshaw. And we laid my baby down on the table, and he looked. He, he started looking at his throat. He's like, oh, "No wonder he's so distressed, Mrs. Bradshaw. He has ulcers all over the back of his throat." And I was like, "I know what to do." Right. right. You know what? So my do. husband's like, we're getting him antibiotics. And I said, listen, let's buy the antibiotics, but let's take him home. Now I know what to give him. So my husband is holding him in his arms. He has literally been, you know, hysterical for three days, no nursing, no nothing. And I mean, we were scared enough to actually take him to the pediatrician. Holding him screaming, I put one pill of mercury, Mercviv 30 in the cap and I tip it into my son's mouth as my husband is holding him. And my son goes, 
like what just happened opened his eyes and my husband and I were like oh my gosh now for everybody who's listening it sounds too miraculous to believe I know it sounds incredulous really really it's just it's hard to believe and and it doesn't mean that the ulcers were gone instantly it doesn't mean that he was 100% healed instantly it just means that the distress was removed that the pain reduced that he was able to then navigate it the body knew what to do and he started healing he was not stuck in this downward spiral anymore i just want to be clear on that Mm -hmm. so listen this is a magical medicine i'm sure you i i have many stories myself that i could share of miracles what i can only describe as miracles from magical homeopathy but joette please just explain what the heck is homeopathy because people you say homeopathy and they're like oh yeah 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 and they think you mean naturopathy so help us understand what homeopathy is and differentiate it if if you would from naturopathy so people can understand what we're really talking about here well naturopathy is a method of medicine in which the practitioner can use botanicals which means herbs supplements vitamins uh acupuncture, chiropractic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are many, many uh, modalities or paradigms that can be used. Homeopathy or homeopaths use one modality, and that is using these homeopathic medicines. And homeo means similar, and pathy means illness. So it means similar illness. And once you get your head wrapped around that idea that it means similar illness, it doesn't mean home, like home remedies. It means homeo, like homonym, or like synonym, homonym, similar pathology, homeopathy. So let's say we get someone who has um, uh, an allergy in the spring and their eyes are swollen and they're um, all puffy and their nose is swollen and itchy and burning and the upper lip is excoriating and their eye, their nose is running terribly. It's, it's a set of symptoms that we see commonly at that time of year for people who have allergies. Well, if we look to all of God's plants out on this earth or minerals or substances that are natural, what out there is similar in its nature that could actually cause that to to be to to cause that set of symptoms well think about when you chop up an onion don't your eyes run your nose runs sometimes it gets bad enough your upper lip excoriates that is a similar set of symptoms not exact because it's not because the person who's suffering from allergies it's not that's not the same etiology the allergies are from something else are from feathers or dust or pollen. But in this situation, it's from an onion. So it is a similar pathology. So in a step two, next way to look at this, next step in understanding this. In a homeopathic pharmacy where they manufacture these medicines, which by the way, are regulated by the FDA, whether we trust or not, the FDA parenthetically was started in the 40s by a homeopathic physician, by the way, to protect homeopathy. So getting back to that, the pharmacy, the manufacturing homeopathic pharmacy gets an onion, puts it into alcohol, and it sits in alcohol to make a tincture. And it sits there for a fortnight, two weeks. At the end of that time, 
the alcohol is now has been the, the this the the substance of the onion has been absorbed into the alcohol they can toss they can toss out the onion itself what they're left with is a tincture a mother tincture of onion or avena sativa right no allium sepa excuse me or uh, left <laughs> with excuse me a uh, um, allium sepa so once they get that allium sepa, if you were to put that in your mouth, you're going to get the same symptoms, very similar as, as when your eyes run, nose runs, upper lip excoriates, et cetera. But instead, what they do is they dilute it and succuss it. Dilute it and succuss, succuss it. Now, succussion means it's being hit. So it's diluted and diluted and succussed and succussed. And it's diluted 30 times to the hundredth power. That's 30 C. At the as it's being diluted, the dilution process brings down the toxicity, because to a certain degree that is toxicity that it causes all that that an onion would cause that. It as it brings down the toxicity of the substance, it brings forth the curative action. Yeah. And once it's diluted, it is it, it is one of the great mysteries of life that as it is, is diluted, it becomes a medicine that will correct what in its gross form will cause. So when someone has allergies, their eyes are running, their nose is running, their upper lip excoriates, their, their eyes are puffy. If you take allium sepa 30C, which is onion diluted 30 times to the hundredth power, it will set for allergies, it will essentially antidote what is happening allergically in that person. And it looks like, like this. It's a little bottle like this. So the dilution that you're talking about, Joette, um, which reduces the toxicity and creates the healing or brings out the healing elements is the reason that I could give mercury <laughs> to my one-year-old son and watch him miraculously heal because, because I would never give him mercury, of course, in the gross form in it's in its normal form, right. In it's whole form in it's physical form. I would never in a hundred million years do that. <clears throat> but the thing is when you dilute it so much, then what that gross form causes the remedy actually cures those symptoms or heals those symptoms. I should say, we're not allowed to say cure. So I didn't say cure. <laughs> Only doctors can say cure, but we can't. It uproots. But it, 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 it uproots. It helps to address. It basically helps the body to heal itself. Yes. So I just want to be clear that. So when you start using homeopathy, you'll see all of these crazy remedies. There's a remedy called arsenicum. What does that sound like? <laughs> Arsenic, um, mercurius, <laughs> mercury, belladonna, deadly nightshade, you know, like all these things, which in their, in their whole form in their gross form are, are quite poisonous. Right. 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 But when you harness the ability of the poisons by diluting and succussing and diluting and succussing 30 times, it becomes infinitesimal. And so that what happens in the end is that what was causing what can cause disease now can uproot disease because the dilution is diluted and diluted. The, 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 the substance is diluted and diluted and diluted and up comes the curative action. 
Is it, you will know this better than I, I cannot remember this from my own homeopathic training over 20 years ago, but is it at 12X or 12C when that's the dilution at which there no longer is any of the physical substance left in the remedy? Well, some say there is a physical substance left in this remedy. It depends on who is, who's measuring and how they're measuring and now their new measurements, et cetera. And it depends on whether or not we start with a, with a substance that has to be triturated. Some, something is, for example, that's hard like silica, et cetera. Yeah. 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 Um, But it's about, it's about that 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 place when is it's it 12 x or c though do you remember i, I believe remember. it's 12 x okay x yeah. yeah um so um you raised your family exclusively on homeopathy you um you never went to the doctor for your children <laughs> which is amazing and i think that this is this is perhaps the greatest gift that we can give to other mothers and other families is how to take care of themselves but you had a really long journey and you went from, you know, learning how to be a homeopath on, and take care of your own family to then um, becoming a professional homeopath and then going and learning the Banerjee protocols and then founding your practical homeopathy academy. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Bless you. First, let me say this. Even before we go to that. Homeopathy is the second most used medicine on earth. The first most used is Chinese medicine. By the sheer numbers of those who live in China, that is number one. Most frequently, most commonly used Chinese medicine. Homeopathy is number two. Now that's hard to believe for those who live in North America, right? Because we we don't even know what it was. We had no idea what this was. But in Europe, England, Germany, France, Italy, Spain, Portugal, South America, Central America, India, it is quite common. And it's doctors who use it in those countries more often than not, although there are a lot of countries in which the mothers and the grandmothers use it as well. Third most used method of medicine in the world are drugs of commerce. Interesting, because we have been led to believe we live in this myopic world where we see these commercials all the time. We never see a commercial for homeopathic medicines. We see every commercial, every radio program, every women's magazines. I, I don't own a television. I haven't owned a television for years. I don't watch those kinds of things. I don't, I don't like women's magazines for exactly that reason. I gave up on even considering looking for looking at a a recipe in a women's magazine because I couldn't stand looking at all of those commercials that became not one half a page, not a whole page, but three pages of commercial. And it's only in the U.S. and in New Zealand that this is allowed, that they are allowed to advertise on television. So we have been led to believe that this is reality when it's really just our worldview in this part of the world. And Joette, if we go back more than a hundred years, you know, I've talked about this in other podcasts, but the Flexner report was introduced to Congress in 1910, which was commissioned by uh, John D. Rockefeller and Andrew Carnegie. And I believe it was Andrew Carnegie. It was one of the Carnegies. He was, it was Andrew Carnegie. Yes. And they um, argued that we need to centralize and, um, uh, um, 
I can't think of the words. Well, we, focus on on petroleum based medicines, but standardized. They wanted standard. to to centralize and standardize medical schools, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. they said it was it was for the public's benefit. But what it really was was because then Rockefeller and Carnegie funded the pharmaceutical, the chemical, because they were chemical. You know, Rockefeller in particular was a chemical magnet. Um, they funded the schools that pushed those and they defunded and pilloried the schools. And there were like 20 homeopathic colleges in America in the early part of the 20th century. It was very widely used. And in fact, the American Homeopathic Association, I forget what the exact name of it was, was the very first first medical Medical association in the United States. And when the AMA was founded, the people um, who were the original founders of the AMA actually said, you know, listen, we don't have any quibble with homeopathy. We just don't like the fact that they move into our neighborhoods and take away all of our patients because it's non-toxic and non-habit forming. And so I think it's so important for people to understand. I lived in London. My son was born in London. There's a homeopathic hospital in London. There are There were homeopathic hospitals all over the United States. The only reason that they're not here today is because there was a very concerted, deliberate agenda to drive them out of business and to portray them as quacks when the true quackery was the drug chemical-based medicine. Let me also add that Rockefeller lived to a ripe old age, someplace over 100 years old, and he never traveled anywhere without a certain kind of a doctor, his personal doctor, who was a homeopath. Exactly. And the same of the Queen of England, who also lived to a ripe old age, would not travel anywhere without her doctor, the homeopathic doctor. So it was fine for them. But as far as their industry, at least for his industry, it was not fine for the general public. I was actually born in a homeopathic hospital, but it was changed. It was homeopathic about five years before I was born, and then it was changed to allopathy. I missed it by about five years. Oh, wow. Wow. In Buffalo, New York. There were three homeopathic hospitals in Buffalo, New York, and they were the most beautiful hospitals. They were the stalwarts of the community. They were the ones with the big fountains in front of them, and all the traffic and all the beautiful mansions were all around these hospitals. They were prosperous. That's why they went after the homeopaths. They were prosperous. It was a market square issue. It was all about market share. I think over time, it's also turned into something else. Oh, yes. Well, they had to, they had to keep demonizing it. Absolutely. Now, now, now I think it's about, um, that, that I think those who understand in the modern medical complex want to, eradicate homeopathy, which is why the FDA and the pharmaceutical industry are trying to outlaw homeopathy right now, because they know that it is the greatest threat to the medical complex that exists on the planet. I think, but I I fully believe that. And so they need to do everything they can to um, undermine it because they know that it actually is far more effective. It's far safer. It is non-toxic, non-habit forming. Costs about $12. (laughs) For that the whole medicine bottle. That, that's right. That medicine that you use, the Mercurius V for your son, cost you at that time probably $7, and it cured him. That sulfur 30 that I used for my son also was about 5 or $6 at the time, and it cured him with one dose. Exactly, with and one. there's 100 doses in that bottle, or 80 or something, yes, you know? Yeah, about 50 so doses, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Depending on the brand, yeah. So, Okay, so all this is going on, and then- 
this is this is fantastic. I wanted to talk about all this, so I'm so glad you brought it up. So then, what takes you to becoming a professional and then going to India? So she went to India, folks, to go and study with the Banerjees. This family, I think it's like how many generations of Banerjees? Well, yeah, the, well, they started 120 years ago, so it was five generations, four and a half generations. Okay, so but you become a a, a homeopath first. And then you go to and study in India and you learn the Banerjee protocols. And then only after that, do you do you found your practical homeopathy academy? So help us understand that whole journey. Yes. Well, long before that, I knew I had to get this out. You know, if you had the answer to world peace, would you keep it to yourself? If you knew how to how what the what the exact answer would you just just oh, well, I'm not going to tell anyone. No, you become focused, myopic, almost obsessed with trying to turn people onto this. Because I believed so fully that every mother, grandmother, and farmer, and it doesn't even have to be someone who has children, someone who takes care of others, their elderly parents, everyone needs to know about this medicine because of everything you just described in terms of its efficacy and its inexpensive cost and its ability to do what, what it promises. So that's when I started teaching and I started to teach one group and then another group. It was long before I even started to practice. I didn't feel capable of being able to fully practice. So I decided I was just going to teach. So I taught Monday night to one group and Tuesday night to another group and Wednesday night to a different group, all in Buffalo, New York area. Um, and I got all of these mothers and grandmothers activated and farmers, I might add, because you can use the same for animals as well as plants, I might add. And so I got this going and I realized that this was a movement this is bigger than just teaching people. This is a whole medical paradigm movement. And so um, I became, I went to school in Toronto for several years, became a practicing homeopath, um, saw clients for, for 15 years full-time, and I was using a method called, if those of you who may be interested in knowing this or happen to have this background, I was using classical homeopathy for 15 full-time years. And then I realized I don't think this is really the answer. It doesn't mean that classical homeopathy has nothing to offer, but it was very difficult for me to teach people how to use classical homeopathy. And I knew that there had to be a way that we could actually incorporate some protocols, meaning for this condition, we use this medicine, this potency, and this frequency. So it was all laid out formulaically. That's what I knew was out there somewhere. And I knew that if it was going to be any place, it was going to be either France or India. And so I decided to go to India. And I went- and we, before, before we, can you just explain what the challenges are about teaching and learning and actually practicing classical homeopathy so that people have that context? And then let's talk about India. So using classical homeopathy, I always tell people, if you are seeing a homeopath who calls him or herself a classical homeopath and you're getting results, by all means, stay with that person. But in order to learn how to use classical homeopathy, it is quite complex. It's There are no protocols, meaning there are no specific medicines for specific conditions. You have to, um, um, you have to dig into a repertory that looks like this. And you and it's a long years of study, and it's it's and it's hard. 
It's hard. It's really it's hard. hard. It's not simple. So there could be Complex. people say, well, people say to me, oh, well, I have a sore throat. What remedy should I take? And I'm like, right. How long uh, is a piece of string? I don't string? know how to do it. I don't know how to do that unless I go into your look under throat and then I look under sore and there are 60, 80 medicines from which to choose which one is it. But with protocols that are devised, were devised by those who've been in practice for 120 years uh, uh, cumulatively over through the family, uh, through the family generations, they, though the Banerjees have come up with specific medicines for specific conditions. So how did they do this? Well, in India, people believe in homeopathy. And so when they put their shield out, their shingle out back, you know, in the 1800s, people lined up and the first Banerjees were able to, they weren't actually Banerjees, it was a different bloodline, but it's still the same family. The first ones to, to take these people in as medical doctors were seeing 100 patients in a day. First it was 20, then it was 50, then it was 100. And that happened quickly because the results were so successful. And so after a while, when you see 100 patients per day, guess what? A pattern develops. Yes. And you and realize- I, say, I want to throw out here too. I think it's two or 300 million people in India use homeopathy. Yes, that's right. I think it's 300 million people. Yes, this is. is not this is not some this marginal. This is not some fringe. No, it's not marginal. This is what people use. Yes. This is what okay. people use. So yes. they're seeing patterns emerge after seeing all these people. Yes. yes. And so by the time I met the doctors, Banerjee Pratip and Dr. Prasanta Banerjee, um, I uh, worked with them. I went to their clinic. I sat by their side, you know, knee to knee, right at their desk. The first time was for 13 weeks. We worked six days a week from sometimes nine or even earlier than that, 8.30 in the morning till often 10 o'clock at night for seven, six days a week. And I was there for 13 weeks. And each doctor in that clinic saw 100 patients. So while I sat next to them, we saw 100 patients in one day. Now, how could that be? Well, because when you have a pattern that shows over and over and over again, that when a baby has ulcers or anybody, a dog has ulcers in his throat, a cow has ulcers in his throat, a, a, a menopausal woman, an elderly man, it matters not. Ulcers in the throat are mercurius V, 30C given immediately, and the change will be often miraculous. If you see a child who has an extremely high fever and is refusing to eat and has a, an odor that's emitting from the mouth, the medicine is sulfur 30C. And you see, after a while, it becomes quite easy to pick up on this. The classical method is much more esoteric. Mm -hmm. And so I abandoned that classical method for this method, which is protocol, protocol, protocol. So I went the first time 13 weeks, then I went back a year later and I went for nine weeks, again, sat side by side. Then I came back home again, wrote all these protocols out. I observed and re and 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 recorded um, over close to 4,000 pages, 4,000, excuse me, 4,000 cases. I actually have them written right here in my in my files. And so then I went a third year and I was there for side by side. And I went eight times to absorb, to observe and record what they were doing. I brought it back here and now I teach it to whomever is interested in learning how to do this. I can't get it out there fast enough.
Now, we are located, our Academy of Practical Homeopathy is in the United States, and it is a very specific one. There are other people who do use that name, Practical. It's not quite the same as what, what I'm doing because I'm using these protocols that come from this family that was that has su had such largesse that were so willing to share with me their family secrets, so to speak. It's amazing. I'll tell you folks, um, I'm also a trained classical homeopath like Joette is. And um, I've had so many friends over the years call me and say, what do I take? What do I, my baby, my little, my daughter, my, you know, oh, so-and-so did this. So this is happening. And it's not like, um, it's actually kind of hard because it's, if you're doing only classical, you have to understand all the symptoms. You have to understand this aspect of it. You have to understand when did it come on? Did something happen before it? What's concomitant? Yes. What, what, how does it, what makes it better or worse? You know, all these kinds of things. What are the spe specific kind of peculiarities of the way that you have a headache or a sore throat or whatever it is? And then you try and match, you find what's called the similimum. You match the remedy to the person's symptoms. And it's pretty hard because sometimes like my own mother, I was giving her a back remedy years ago when she hurt her back. I don't know what the practical um, homeopathy remedies would be for it, but it wasn't until I got hit on the third remedy that I got the right remedy. And she hasn't had any back issues ever since then, but you, you know, got the it, but it took a long time. It yes. takes longer. And so practical homeopathy, if I remember correctly, 80% of the people will be, will be, um, their symptoms will be addressed by the first. Yes. By the first protocol. Right. And then the next 10% by the next, and then the, right. the final. Okay. So there's basically almost everybody's covered by three much. potential much. remedies. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Or a good, so, a, num a good enough number so that at least gets people started. Yeah. And then there are also those cases in which it's a little more complex or a little bit goes off the, the, the farm, so to speak. And then we do indeed have to re resort or revert back to using a this this very in-depth text called a, a homeopathic repertory. So what this does is it allows what I think freedom from angst. I have to say, I was a very worried young woman. I used to worry about my health all the time. I used to worry, when is the next asthma attack going to hit? When am I going to have another food intolerance event? When will I ever be able to get off the bed or out of the bed or off the couch? How will I ever survive this? I'm so sick at such a young age. And that has offered me the kind of freedom that I could never have imagined. So it gives us freedom from angst because now I learned what to do. I learned not only what medicines to use, but which medicines to own and how to use them, what potency, what frequency, how, how, what I should be expecting to see. Now, I, these two examples, I have to say, Leslie, that your example and my example of our babies is not the way it works for everything. But when it's very severe like that, when it's an acute that's quite severe, that's when we see, bam, and it's often completed. You'll know when you hit it, you'll know it because yeah. immediately you see a shift. Now, for chronic conditions, and of course, homeopathy is a full 
medical paradigm for chronic conditions, irritable bowel syndrome or diabetes or rheumatoid arthritis or uh, panic uh, 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 events or et cetera, that can sometimes take longer. No problem. It took a long time to get there. How long has that person had those allergies? How long has that food intolerance been been a part of their lives? It can take longer, but not as long as anything else. To be honest, it's it within usually two months of using a medicine, we see some shift, something shifts, and it gives us the indication that we're onto the right medicines, and then we carry on from there. And we often see a little less of this. It's less intensity to the symptoms as they're using the medicines, lasting for a shorter period of time when they occur, and a larger space between each episode. So what used to happen every day, which was a screaming nine out of 10, let's say it's a headache, used to be a nine, now is maybe a five. What used to happen every day is now happening once every two weeks. Instead of it lasting all day, now it's lasting only for a couple hours in the morning. That's how we know we're moving in the right direction and that we have chosen the correct homeopathic medicine. So we've told, we've shared each of us one story. Can you share a couple other like stories, uh, you know, success stories that you've had just to help people understand how it can work? Maybe something that's not as immediate as what we both saw, but maybe that's something a little bit slower, like who have you, or what kind of a case have you had where you were treating some kind of a chronic condition and where you saw success, how long did it take? What remedy did you use? Could you just, just to give people an understanding, because like someone recently told me that, um, um, you, you know, you hear all the time, people will be like, oh, well, you know, I'm really angry. There are homeopathic remedies for that. So it's, it's very easy to think that we're only talking about um, physical symptoms or illnesses, but the reality is that the most, you know, the hierarchy of symptoms in classical homeopathy is mental and emotional are at the top of it, right? So I those see. are the most important, but they're also, and I've taken your mindful homeo, homeo, homeopathy course. There are mental, emotional states, there are physical states, there are illnesses, there are injuries, all these kinds of things. So you have urinary incontinence that can be helped. You have, um, you know, you're irritable. Arthritis. Arthritis, eczema, anyway, acne, teenage acne. Yes, 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 yes. So just tell us of a couple, an example or two, okay. just to, to whet people's appetite. appetite. Okay. Well, because I was, I spoke so frequently and wrote for the Weston Price Foundation, I was in touch with a lot of people who had food intolerances, super common. Um, more often than not, food intolerances, not always, but frequently are really is really the etiology is it's uh, antibiotic poisoning. It's changed the gut. And now the person is left with an inability to eat dairy, even high quality dairy um, or gluten, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, yeah, I was there too. I was there too. Yep. <laughs> um, and now I, I can eat all of that uh, with abandon, but I have to be careful how far I abandon that. <laughs> Um, uh, but the way that works is we use a medicine that's specific for how does it present? In other words, does the person have bloating? Do they, does their, does their belly bloat and it looks like a beach ball or it feels like a beach ball and it's so hard and tympanic and the person just, they eat a little bit and it feels like, oh my gosh, it felt like I just had an, the entire Thanksgiving turkey. 
Um, then we use a medicine. Most commonly, we use lycopodium 200C, and we usually use it twice daily. And this is this. I see this in women and in children, but I see it more often in men. And so as they start taking this medicine, lycopodium 200, 200C, twice daily, the first time they take it may not notice anything. They take it twice a day for a few days. At the end of the week, they, they report. I, I don't know. Maybe Is this my imagination? I don't feel this so much anymore. I mean, I still have a little bloating, but the, the, the degree to which it's presenting is not as grand. And then the wife reports to me because men often don't read their bodies the way women do. Generally speaking, women are very attuned to their bodies and the bodies of their entire family. And then the wife reports to me, you know what? He seems lighter hearted. We were treating a, 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 a downtrodden man. We were treating a man with bloating every time he ate too much or every time he even just ate just any dairy or any wheat at all. Didn't even have to be over the top. He seems more lighthearted. And as he takes the medicine over the weeks, the wife then often, and this is this was a story that just happened recently, um, but I hear it over and over again. There's nothing new here. Um, she reports to me, you know, he's doesn't seem as irritable. He seems like he's ready to spring out of bed in the morning instead of, oh, another day. And he's not eating the dairy and the 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 bread to the same degree that he had because he had to stop. He knew what was causing it. He had to stop. But now he's starting to introduce it just a little bit here and there and nothing is happening. He's doing better and better. And over a period of two months, when, when that person meets back with me again, they report it's not 100%, but we're probably close to about a 70% improvement. What that tells us, as I said earlier, is that that tells us that lycopodium 200C twice daily is acting. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Now, over a period of time, we often see that that can be eliminated altogether over a period of six months. And now the person, now he's free of that sensation of the terrible bloating and his belly no longer looks like he swallowed a beach ball and he's no longer huffing and puffing through the day and no more... Uh, feeling downtrodden and defeated, I might add, the sense of defeat is has now backed off. Now he starts adding those foods back in judiciously. We don't want him to eat a whole pizza, you know, at one sitting and then pasta that night for dinner. No, no, I would be more judicious than that. Just have, you know, a piece of pizza and see how it goes. See how that food works. And if indeed he's fine, then he no longer needs that medicine. But every once in a while, he might need a little tune-up. Eight months later, he might say, you know what? We went on vacation and I just I just ate with abandon. So um, I don't know. I felt really bloated and not as bad as before. It's not a beach ball. Now there's just some pressure. Mm -hmm. Back to lycopodium 200C twice daily. And now that is his medicine du jour. When he needs it, he takes it, but he uses it much, much, much less frequently over a period of months until finally it's a distant memory. That's great. Yeah. What about, um, I mean, that was mixed with mental emotional. Is there just a purely mental emotional case you could give us? Yes. Let's talk about a remedy called Nux Vomica. Mm, can be great. used for women, often men, but it can be, I know, I've taken it myself. <laughs> I'm sure you have. When we are too much in the head, we are so focused on 
thinking and doing and moving forward and trying to keep things many, many balls in the air. And and we're getting a little irritable, especially in traffic. <laughs> why is that person moving so slowly? Why why it feels everybody feels like an impediment? Why can't I move this faster? Why why is it taking so long to get that print shop to move? Why is it taking so long to get through this traffic? Why doesn't my assistant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And there can often be sleeplessness, but it's a certain kind of sleeplessness, a certain kind of insomnia that more often than not, not always, but more often than not, they wake up at two or three in the morning and they're wide awake. And they're saying, I can't get back to sleep. I got to get to sleep. I've got a busy day tomorrow. I've got this appointment and that appointment. And, and, yes, the, and busy, the mind busy. starts going, huh. yes, they're irritable. And this they're and then irritable. this and then this and then. Yeah, too much, too much. And then once they take a dose or two, of Nux Vomica 200C, we see the shift. And they may need to take that medicine every once in a while, only as needed. These are not supplements, my friends. Remember, these are not vitamins. It's not something you take forever. The goal is to stimulate, gently stimulate the body's natural ability to heal itself. It's just a gentle little stimulus. Yeah. So brilliant. Full stop. Yeah. Really. That's really where that's where it goes. It's yeah. imagine Joanne, I had a, knowing how to do this. Imagine that. I know. You didn't know how to a, take care of your spouse, your children, your aging mother, your 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 the newborn baby, your cousin, your next door neighbor, your dog, your goat. Imagine that. Yeah. My husband and I raised our three kids on a small farm and we had goats and chickens and bees and we used it for all of them. All for of the them. bees too? Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. All of the goats and chickens, but not- Okay, I was just like, what would you do with the bees yes, and there how are would ways that you work? can treat bees. But wait, to be honest, in those days, I hadn't figured out exactly what the problem was. So we- <laughs> Yeah, we yeah. just got a new puppy September 23rd. We brought home the puppy. I gave him aconite because you know what? He had been a rescue dog. This is the first thing I did. And then I gave him calc carve because he was clearly afraid of the new situation and he's adjusted. Then he, you know, different things. It's been very interesting. I gave him silica because he's had goo in his eyes. Um, aconite is a great medicine for shock to the system. And when it's yeah. been a rescue dog, you don't know what kind of shocks that dog has been yeah. through. Well, he was a puppy. He was like born in a ditch, I think. But my point is, we have given it to our dogs, our other dog, he had arthritis. I gave him remedies for his arthritis. He had, um, he, you know, had like hard stool. I gave him remedies for that. My son, I mean, this kid was like, he plays every sport you can imagine, every sport that was available. Concussions, broken bones, sprained ankles, that's, dislocated that's shoulders. Yes, absolutely. All of those things. Yes. We addressed with homeopathy, except the broken bones where we did make sure that they were set properly. Yes, of course. Before. And you administer the medicines on the way to the hospital where the hospital is going to set the bone. I hope people don't get the idea that we are against. I think we made that pretty clear in the beginning of this conversation, that there is a place for modern medicine. I just think we've become too dependent. I think it's it's even perhaps more pernicious than that, Joette. We have inverted its rightful place. We should not be using a sledgehammer for every single issue that arises. And that's what we do because modern medicine is really tantamount to a sledgehammer and it doesn't actually cure anything 
chronic. So to me, I get an emergency, I get in a car crash, I do whatever, yes, take me to the hospital. If I have something chronic, I try and address it um, homeopathically. And then if I can't deal with something, if it becomes a bigger issue, like let's just say I have a bladder infection and I'm treating the bladder infection and I can't seem to find the right remedy and I start peeing blood, I'm going to go to the doctor because I probably now have a kidney infection, which is a lot more serious, right? My point is that there's no need to go and just the, that the default is antibiotics and drugs. I think they should be the last resort rather than the first resort. And so I think there's this inversion in my view, and I'm not saying that they don't have a place, you know, listen in an elderly person or something that you can't, you know, it may need, it may be that they need something more aggressive than homeopathy. And so, I mean, my son, he was born by emergency cesarean. I am forever grateful for that, but I don't think that every baby should be born by cesarean. You know what I mean? I just, I feel like I'm trying to- That's where we're going. That's where we're headed. Yes. I think there's an inversion. I think we're actually headed to Brave New World where babies are decanted in glass containers and played a program that teaches them what their place in life is going to be. But we won't go down that (laughs) rabbit hole for now. My point is that there's an inversion. We should be using other healing modalities. We should eat a healthy diet. And we don't have time to shine sunshine without sunscreen. Yes, exactly. We should be doing all these other things, not running to a doctor or a drug. We've been trained. Haven't we? We've all been trained. We live under the cult of the expert medical expert. I'm actually going to write a blog about it. I have it all outlined, but haven't gotten it. I never get time to do this. Um, But (laughs) yes. and, And so my point is there's an inversion. I think it's you know, I think that there's a, it, it needs to be put in its rightful place. Mm-hmm. It does have a right place. It's just not gone too far. Yeah, exactly. So we're really pretty much, I think, ready to wrap up, but will you tell us, tell us about what you do? Tell us about the Academy, the courses that you offer, where people can find you, all those kinds of things. Well, let me start by saying this. I have a blog and I've ha- I've published this blog. I've authored, I've, I've penned it for, I, I think it's 13, 14 years. Every Sunday night I put it out and it is specific conditions. And then the name of the medicine, the specific condition, urinary tract infection, Cantharis 30, et cetera, et cetera, tw- you know, every three hours if it's severe. So it is an index of conditions what to use. You can click on, once you click on the name of the medicine, it takes you to a place where you can purchase it. Now, I don't have affiliate programs. I get nothing. I don't get anything back. I don't want that because I feel that that is one of the reasons that conventional medicine has gotten out of control is because of the affiliate programs, the kickbacks, why the vets are telling you to give your dog this dog food because there are affiliate programs. I want mine to be completely pure. If I tell you that that's the medicine, I mean it. That's the med. I'm not going to guarantee it's going to work for everyone in every situation. But if I were to get an affiliate uh, 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 kickback, then I might tell you about 10 medicines so that you keep clicking and keep buying. So mm-hmm. you go to simply go to Joette Calabrese dot com. It's that easy. Joettecalibries.com. It'll take you to my website. It'll take you can click on the blog or you can simply do this. Urinary tract infection, Joette Calibries. Shin splints, Joette Calibries. 
arthritis, Joe at Calabrese. And it'll take you to usually the blog, but sometimes it'll take you to articles that I've published through other mediums, such as the Weston Price Foundation's uh, journal, where I authored for many years, authored a, a homeopathic uh, column for many years, or other uh, sites. So that's a great way to start. It's perfectly free. There's no cost at all. And then what I urge people to do is to go there and go to Joette's Learning Center, no apostrophe, Joette, J-O-E-T-T-E-S, Learning Center, Joette's Learning Center, and go consider joining a study group, not unlike the one that I put together with my friends back in the 80s, where we met every Thursday night for four years, and join a study group, and you will actually meet people on Zoom live where you can actually study together and you use my curriculum and it becomes your mainstay. But then the most important part besides learning how to do this is having that little group of people that you can count on. I can't tell you the number of times that people have told me that they've been, their child is screaming in the middle of the night with ear pain and they don't know what to do. And they go on and they, they check with their friends that they've, that they've been studying with in my gateway to homeopathy study guide, study group. And someone who was in the group was from England are, is up now because it's, you know, it's seven in the morning and there it's now two in the morning in Philadelphia. And their friend writes back said, did you try Camomilla 200 in every few, every, every hour or so? And they've got now someone they can count on who might have the answer. It be, creates a community of people who are of like mind, because basically those of us who think this way for a long time, we've been zebras on bicycles. And now this is a movement. I see a big shift, especially since 2020. I see that this is changing dramatically. People are looking for solutions. We've had it up to our eustachian tubes. Yes. With drugs, drugs, more drugs, and an industry that has one thing in mind has nothing to do with our well-being. So I always talk about we're the field medics. We're the ones. It's up to us. And as a mother, I took that very seriously. And I urge all mothers, grandmothers, and those who are caring for others, it doesn't have to be a biological mother. It can be someone you're caring for. This is our job. And as we age, I'm in my 70s, as we age, we remain relevant with this kind of knowledge, we may remain relevant. Ask mom. Mom mm -hmm. will know. Ask grandma. She'll know. Ask the elderly lady two doors down. She knows what to do. And she's got the medicines. <laughs> I have to tell you, Joette, you know, I am, um, when my son was young, he went to Montessori and I donated my time and taught a intro homeopathy course back then. Did you really? And the Montessori yes. to the parents? To the parents. People bought it. So, and I donated, you know, they, I don't know, they bought it for like an afternoon. Just, it was just like a super intro of three hours or something like that. And maybe they paid a hundred bucks each or something. And I donated all the money to the school. So it was part of the, the school fundraiser. And um, I'm on a local group that it's called ladies of Liberty. It's on signal and it's, oh, um, oh, oh, love it already. <laughs> and, you know, people are like, Oh, what should we do? And I, my daughter's so-and-so I have to take him to the doctor. And I was like, don't go to the doctor. And they're like, but we don't know what else to do. And I'm like, 
learn homeopathy. And they're like, teach us. So I'm actually going to teach, do a repeat of the course oh, that I Leslie. taught. Oh, yes. And, yes. and, and this, listen to this though. This is the most exciting thing, Joette. You'll love this. So that's, I'm, I'm just speaking to your point that things have shifted. Yes. Big more gym. and more people want to know. And yes. these are women with little kids and women who are 70 and 80 years old. They all want to know. They all want to learn. They all want to understand because they know the truth, which is that the drug industry is not there to, to, to help you and save you. That's not what it's there for. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, I don't want any part of this anymore. I want to change. Mm-hmm. And they're so hungry for it. Well, my son, he goes to college. He's a junior. He's doing a quarter abroad right now. So he's out of the country. He has three roommates. One of his roommates is pre-med. The other one's a biology major. And one is like, I think is a philosophy or something like that. But the one who's a biology major and and the the pre-med guy's interested as well, but not as much. But the one who was biology and was thinking about being pre-med, he begged my son to leave his remedy kit behind. (laughs) While he went abroad so that you could have him. So I bought him a remedy kit and yes, sent it to him. That's what we do. And yes. my son has a girlfriend and she's had some throat issues and things. And I spent like an hour on the phone with her the other day. She's actually a biology major as well. Wants to be a physician's assistant or something like that. And she, um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like these young people. Oh, yes. Are- Definitely. hungry for it yes, and they, they know that there's a different way out yes, there they do know that in our and academy, i'm just seeing it everywhere everywhere yes yes we have young people in our academy have decided not to go to college and instead take our academy for two years that's yeah. i mean that's happening a lot we have the whole gamut we have the young people like that and then we have one woman who's 88 years old in our academy it's and, and in the middle we have a, a, a mom who has 11 children so we've got the whole and farmers and it's this is for everyone. This is yeah. the people's. This is the people's medicine. It sure not is not the industry's medicine. This is the people's. No. Medicine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Joette, it has been my honor and my pleasure to have you. Mine as well. Bless um, what a wonderful um, afternoon we've had, and um, I look forward to doing it again and to talking to you very soon. So thank you very, very much for sharing your unbelievable experience, your knowledge and your wisdom with all of us. And I hope everybody goes to joettecalabrese.com to learn more about what you do and who you are and learn the magic of homeopathy. My pleasure, Leslie. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course. Thanks so much for listening to Conversations on Health Freedom. Please follow us at healthfreedomdefense.org, where you can become a member, subscribe to our newsletter, donate to our cause, and follow us on social media.